John was on the Isle of Patmos. The Bible says the Spirit snatched him up and took him to heaven. And when he went into heaven, this is what he saw in Revelation chapter 4. He said he saw the throne. There was a throne sitting in the middle of where he was. And around the throne, there were four creatures. And those creatures were saying, and it says, day and night, night and day. It's like the song says, that they kept saying, holy, 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 Lord God, the almighty. I like the be there who was, who is, and is to come. So think about that on repeat, okay? I want you to, I want you to take, us go to heaven with Paul, with, uh, with, with John. There's a throne sitting in the middle. Someone sitting on the throne. Around the throne is four beasts. These beasts, one looks like a, a, a man, one looks like a, 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 a flying creature, like a flying eagle, one's a lion. They were all different creatures. They're saying over and over again, holy, 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 Lord God, the almighty who was, who is, who is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God, almighty who was, who is, who is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God, the almighty who was, who is. That's over and over and over and over. While that's going on, there are 24 uh, uh, seats, thrones all around. And in there, there were 24 elders, and they were seated, seated uh, uh, on the throne. And the Bible says that they, all 24 elders, fell down off their chairs and were bowing down and worshiping the one who was living forever and ever who was sitting on the throne. So you got the four beasts saying, holy, 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 Lord God, the almighty who was, who is, who come. Over and over and over again, got 24 elders, got out their seats, fell on the floor, took off their crowns, threw them at the feet of the one on the throne, and they began to repeat, the Lord, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they have existed and were created. They're saying that at the same time. So you got 24 elders saying that. You got four B saying that. Holy, 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 you are worthy. You are worthy. Glory, glory, glory. And the Bible says, Paul, John said, I keep saying Paul. John said, I saw the right hand, the one sitting on the throne, the scroll. And they said, who is worthy to read the scroll? And then the slaughtered lamb was standing in the midst of this. What we have there is a, 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 a plethora of glory of praise, of honor surrounding 24-7, day and night, repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly talking about the glory and the glory of God. Jesus, rewind, John chapter 17, the Bible says, and we already knew the context of what was happening with Jesus who was about to die. The Bible says, as he spoke these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. So she gave him authority over all flesh so that he may have, that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. And so last week, I took some time to talk about the word glorify. So Jesus was saying, glorify the sons so of the son, they glorify you. And I didn't have my pen and, and pad yesterday, uh, last Sunday. But what was happening was God, Jesus was saying, hey, glorify the Father, God the Father. And then we had God the Son. And when Jesus was saying, Father, glorify me so that I can, in turn, glorify you. 
the relationship that God the Father and God the Son has was a constant glorification relationship. Glorify me so I can glorify you. Glorify me so I can glorify you. And so as God the Father was glorifying the Son, the Son was glorifying the Father. We looked at that word glorify, and the word glorify means to cause dignity and worth of someone, to cause the dignity and worth of someone or something to become visibly obvious and acknowledged. And when I broke that down further, look at dignity. What the definition that we used for glory was to call the qualities and the abilities that deserve recognition of honor and respect to be made visibly obvious and acknowledged. So what Jesus was saying, Father calls the qualities and abilities that I have. Those things that I have, those qualities and abilities that deserve recognition of honor and respect. Cause them to be seen or put on display because they deserve to be recognized. So it said, call them to be seen or put on display or made visibly obvious. Visibly obvious. And then acknowledged. That's what they're saying. What Jesus was saying, he says, Father, those qualities, those attributes, those abilities that I have, those things that are deserve honor and respect. When we talk about honor and respect. Last week I mentioned we're talking about they deserve honor means it deserves tribute or prestige or notability. Those things are qualities that Jesus had that deserved notability. Jesus told the Father to make them seen, make them be visibly obvious so that people could acknowledge him. What's crazy about that was that this is a man, a God-man, talking to Father God. This is reason number 4,080 where Jesus claimed did. He claimed Godship. Because what Jesus said, he told the Father God to glorify him as we glorify God. We, I hope you never say that. Never ask God to glorify you. Say, God, glorify me. Don't, don't do that. that. That's not how it works. Only God gets the glory because of God, only God's qualities and abilities deserve honor and respect and should be made obvious and acknowledged. Ours don't. So the fact that Jesus asked the Father to glorify him was another reason why Jesus was letting you know that I am God because I deserve the Father to acknowledge me. The respect means the claim and admiration or appreciation. Um, so what was happening here is Jesus said that the hour has come Glorify your son. So it was time for the glory train to start working. It was time for God the Father to glorify the son. So how was that happening? How was God's glory, how was God's attributes, qualities, getting honor and respect? How were they going to be seen and acknowledged? Well, last week we looked at a couple of things. One, the holiness of God was going to be revealed at the crucifixion. That's what Jesus was talking about. He's about to die. And in that, the holiness of God was being revealed. God is holy. 
God is, uh, 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 and because of God's holiness, the Bible says that the wrath of God is against the ungodly. And so his holiness has the wrath of the ungodly, and that wrath has to be appeased. The only way that wrath can be appeased is through the death of his son. This is why Jesus died. So in Jesus' death, the holiness of God was put on display or seen, and it was acknowledged. And Jesus said, that's what I'm about to do. The sovereignty of God over evil was also glorified or acknowledged. That quality of God. All these years, men have been sinning. Sin, 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 sin. People even say it today. How can there be a God up there of all this sin in the world? Well, God took care of the sin issue. He took care of the sin issue by placing all the sin of the world on his son, and his son died. And in that, God said, I am sovereign over evil. Also, in that, I am sovereign and have power and authority over death. Another quality and attribute of God that was put on display at the crucifixion. I have conquered death. So this whole thing that I'm holding, we went a whole message about that, of death. And that was the only thing that Satan had to hold over our heads. Jesus said, oh, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, grave, where's your sting? He took that. So now we no longer fear death. God has power and authority over death because of the cross, because of what he did on Calvary. We saw the compassion of God and the reconcili reconciliation of God over man and the forgiveness of God over man. Compassion, forgiveness, reconciliation, all qualities and attributes of God that deserve honor and respect, and they were shown by what Christ did on Calvary. By shedding his blood. The Bible says, Paul said in Romans chapter 5, that we now have peace with God. The war is over. That wrath that was over us is a bit of peace. And now we get into a right relationship with God. That is the quality and attribute of God uh, uh, and abilities of God that was shown at Calvary and Golgotha in the empty tomb. And then also, there's a billion of these. I mentioned a lot of them last week. But the omniscience of God, the all-knowingness of God. The Bible says, before the foundation of the world, God put this plan in place. God sent his son, born of a woman. So God knew throughout all creation, throughout all eternity, what he was going to do. So his omniscience, his sovereignty, the sovereignty of God, and the finality of redemption was for believers. All of those things are qualities and attributes of God that Jesus said, Father, show all this stuff in me as I show all this stuff in you. Because when he went to the cross, that's what was seen, that was shown. That's what the cross says. And so in the cross, there was glory. Glory to God, glory to Jesus. And that glory was the glory that he deserved. Um... And, and, and that whole glory circle there, I didn't even call it something. I haven't thought of anything yet. I say glory train, I don't like that. I think of, I have to think of something else because it's not like gravy train. It's a dog food commercial. I don't like that. But glory train, I mean not glory train, some type of glory circle, that continuous glorify me as I glorify you, glorify me as I glorify you. I'll think of something. But the idea was that was why John wrote the book. Remember, John, we call this series In Order to Believe. John said, I wrote this so you believe that Jesus is God. And that's what that is, because only God received glory. And so by Jesus saying his prayer, Jesus is acknowledging what Paul, what John wanted us to know, that he was, in fact, God. 
There was a reason for writing this verse. And the other reason for writing, John said, was I wrote this, you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life. And if you look at the very next verse, Jesus said, glorify your son as your son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is the summation of the entire gospel of John wrapped up in this prayer where Jesus said, glorify me as I glorify you for you are giving me authority to give eternal life. Eternal life is wrapped up in God's glory. And God's glory is expressed through eternal life. Our salvation, what we have, is wrapped up and expressed in God's glory. Now, what's interesting, uh, and I didn't get into this last week, but I want to get a little bit today. He says, since you have given him authority over all flesh. And that might make the question, okay, God the Father has given God the Son authority. So was there a time where God the Son didn't have authority? That God the Father gave it to him? And then, and then it begins to, to ask the question and say, well, if Jesus was God, and if Jesus was always God, then Jesus should have always had that authority from God because they shared in the same nature. They shared in the same essence. They shared in the same substance. John 1, 1 said, in the beginning was God, and the word with God, and the word was God. So what is Jesus talking about when he says you have given me authority? Well, God has always, Jesus always had had authority. Let's, let's clear it up because Jesus is God. And so he always had authority. In the heaven and eternity past, he had all authority and it all existed to him with him prior to the incarnation. And so what we have now, Jesus is saying, <laughs> the incarnation is when God, the son, the second person of the Trinity, the Bible says he came down. Philippians says that he took off his glory robe and he put on this stinking, filthy flesh. And when he put on his flesh, he became the God-man savior, fully God and yet fully man. Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully man, now God the Father says, I am now giving you authority, fully God, fully man. All authority I'm giving to you for eternal life. And so Jesus was saying God has given him all this authority as the God-man redeemer. This is God saying, listen, you are now, all the authority is now given to you, Jesus Christ. This fully God, fully man being that's walking the earth for salvation. And so now in the glorification as God the Son is glorifying God the Father, God the Son, Father, has given God the Son, the God-Man, Redeemer, all authority to give eternal life. And that eternal life is wrapped up in the glory circle. We'll try it out. It's wrapped up in that eternal life. When we talk about uh, 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 redemption, we talk about that great work of redemption, um, uh, uh, and, and what Christ did on the cross as far as the authority is concerned. When we look at authority, by the way, that word means an authorized rule. God has given 
Jesus Christ or, or God, the God man has authority or that authorized rule from the influence side and uh, uh, the privilege side, the same authority as God the Father has. And that, historic, that, um, that, authority, that authority, that authority extends to several things. One, to creation. You know, the Bible says that in the beginning was the word, word of God, word was God. All things were created by him. And without him, there was not anything made that was made. And so Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, had authority over creation. Why? Because he created all things. So his influence extends over creation. And he is privileged over creation. He is authorized to rule over everything because of that. Uh, uh, his Authority extends into the sustainment of the world. So not only did he create the world, but the Bible says that God sustains the world. The Bible says, I can't remember the verse right now, but it says, in him does all things uh, are held together. And so the sustainment, the fact that we're not looking at a thousand nuclear explosions every second is because Jesus Christ has authority to sustain the world. It's really crazy, and, and, and when I was little, I really loved science. And uh, uh, um, the, the science expands you know, a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the things that we have is oxygen we breathe. And the oxygen is in the air, everywhere. The oxygen, of course, is made out of molecules, which are made out of atoms. Every atom that makes up a molecule consists of other things. So in the atom, you have a nucleus that usually has a proton, and a, a neutron, and then uh, outside you have an electron. And that's a certain model. It's called the Bohr model of the atom. Now, atoms really don't have that. It's not a ball, a little ball, another ball running around. Atoms, atoms are more like, um, blah. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's, no, it's, it's not, it's, you can't point to, there's an atom, there's an atom. It's, it's just there, all right? It's, it's this substance, and they just use that model to help you explain it. The idea, though, is that what keeps the proton and the neutron there and the electron around it is a power. It's a strength. You heard of, uh, it's a force, actually. So you're an electromagnetic force. Uh, you heard of magnets. You got two magnets, put them together, ping, that's a magnetic force. Okay? And that's pretty, pretty strong. You know, you can pull a magnet apart. They're really, really strong magnets that you can't pull apart. Um, there's electrical force uh, that, that's coming through here. You, you know, that's pretty strong. Um, the nuclear force, what keeps the atom and the proton and electrons together, is the strongest force on the planet Earth. You, you, can't, you, you can't separate it. And if you do separate it, you may have seen a picture of a country where this thing was over top of it. That's not a tree. <laughs> Here are the buildings. Yeah. The atomic bomb. The atomic bomb and the hydrogen bomb, when they took the atom and split it. Kaboom. So basically, what we have in this room is a quadrillion atom bombs just floating around. What you have in your house is 25 quadrillion atom bombs floating around. What we have on this planet is an infinite amount of atom nuclear bombs just, just floating around. And the fact that they don't go off and explode is because there's a force holding them together. 
strong force. But that force was created by the one who created heaven and earth. And so what's sustaining the fact that we don't have a bunch of nuclear explosions every second of every day is the God-man savior of the world. And the Bible says God has given him authority to sustain. So the chaos that you see in the world, don't fret. <laughs> because he's keeping that nuclear bomb from exploding, from that nuclear bomb from exploding, that one from exploding, that one from exploding, that one from exploding, that one from exploding. And he does it all here, and in Asia, and in Africa, and in South America. Oh, and on Mercury, and on Mars, and on the sun. Oh, you seen the pictures that we get back from the guy uh, from space, from deep space? He's keeping all those atoms from exploding there too. All at the same time. Because he has authority over the creation that he created. The Bible says, Again, talking about authority and the authority that God has. He has authority over uh, <laughs> the government. I'm sorry, the authority over all the governance and the affairs of history. But he has been talking about that uh, uh, through his servants that he's been talking about. How that no matter what happens in history, the authority that Jesus said, you have given me authority. The authority that God has, the authority as Christ has, extends across, across oversight and governance of everything that happens throughout history. In Revelations, you can turn there if you want to, chapter 17. This is John again. I mean, he, he's looking in heaven. He's seeing all this stuff that's going on. His mind is being blown. In chapter 17, Revelation 17, verse 14, He sees these things happening, and then he said, these things that he's seen, these will make war against the Lamb. Talking about the God-man, Savior, fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. But the Lamb will conquer them. Why? Because he is Lord, capital L, of Lords, lowercase l, and King, capital K, of Kings, lowercase King. So no matter what happens, what the lowercase lords and the lowercase kings have in mind, have for plan, no matter what they have, Jesus Christ is capital Lord and capital king over them. Amen. He has been giving all authority. So therefore, no king, no president, no chief, no sheep, no premier, no prime minister, no governor, no mayor, no congressman, no congresswoman, no senator, no Supreme Court judge. I really hope the Supreme Court does it. Oh man, wouldn't it be messed up if the Supreme Court did this? Oh man, we really hope the Supreme Court does that. It don't matter. Because Jesus Christ has authority even over that. No one can take office in those positions except that God through Jesus put them there. I want y'all to look at this real quick. Daniel. We did a, a study on the book of Daniel. It's the hardest book I've ever preached through in my entire life. Um, not chapter 1 through 8. Chapter 1 through 8 was easy. It's lion's dens and you know, statues and fiery furnaces. It was just 9 to 11 and rough. But in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel's talking. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream 
and Daniel went, <laughs> and Daniel was going to explain the dream. But in Daniel chapter 22, um, chapter 2, verse uh, 21, it says, uh, talking about God, I'll read 20, and declare, may the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings, lowercase, and establishes kings, lowercase. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He removes kings and he establishes kings. So God, who has the authority to remove presidents, kings, congressmen, senators, Supreme Court justices, and to replace, or to place them there, kings, presidents. Oh, I hope the president doesn't put XYZ into the Supreme Court, because it'll be so rough for us if that happens. But it's not the president, because the president doesn't have authority. Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is king, capital K, over kings. And he removes and replaces as he sees fit. Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, he says, the, the word, This word is by decree of the watchers, and the decision is by command from the holy ones. This is so that the living will know that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms. Don't get it twisted. Don't think Joe Biden is running this. Don't think, uh, 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 what's your boy in Russia? Putin. Putin or Putin? Putin. Don't think Putin is running this. The Bible says that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms because he has authority. Proverbs says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wants to. The Bible says that God has authority over Satan and his demons. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 27. I was talking to kids the other day about some movie about demons and stuff, and this is like, why you don't like watch that kind of stuff? Like, this just doesn't, it never excited me. Scary movies, especially stuff that's, you know, stuff like that. That was never my thing. That was never my thing. But don't get it twisted. I know there's a war, uh, a war out there I don't want to say from. I know it's a, uh, a spiritual war going on. I understand that. But don't get it twisted that Satan or his demons have any type of authority or any type of anything over what's happening. In Mark chapter 1, verse 27, <laughs> the disciples, they, they saw Jesus rebuke a demon. It blew their mind. And they were amazed. And so they began to ask each other, what in the world did we just see? Is this a new teaching with authority? What has happened? He commands even the demons and they obey him? What in the world is happening? Jesus said, oh, don't, be, don't get it twisted now. Satan is the ruler of this realm, but I made him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm God. I'm the king with a K. I'm the Lord with a capital L, with a capital K. I am the one who's over this. And so we ought to fear, Lord, to be worried or stressed about. Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ has all authority. The Bible also says that we have authority over diseases and sickness, coronavirus, monkeypox, whatever pops up. Bring them on. Bring them all. They don't mind. Why? Because they don't have authority. They don't have authority. I don't have to fear. These things can happen after you get sick and get really, really sick. We can even pass away. But even in that, guess who has authority over death? 
Jesus. Guess who has no disease? Jesus. Guess who's moving the kings? And the, well, suppose they do this. Suppose they make this decree. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He has authority. He said, Father, glorify me as I glorify you since you have given me all authority. I'm about to get out of here, but I have all authority. Don't be shook. Don't be scared. Don't be frightened. Don't be fearful. Because he has all authority over all of those things, all the human's affairs. I, 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 every once in a while, I frequent Facebook. And some of my uh, uh, more religious friends like to post these preachers and these pastors. And, and the preachers and the pastors they mostly post, 99.9% of that messages is about your haters. And about the people that are looking at you. And don't worry, God is going to show you rise in their eyes. And they're going to see God's provision in your life. And they're going to hate it. And they're going to try to pull you down. Like, who are these people? Who are these people? Who are these people they're preaching about? Why am I worried about, yeah, because people, people amen, amen. Like, who? Who's out here looking for your destruction? And why are we focused on them? Nowhere in scriptures do I see Jesus saying, look out for your haters. Look out for those folks around you who are trying to, they don't like the blessing that God's going to do. And God's going to bless you. And they're going to look at it. And they're going to be somebody was like, somebody was reading the verse, vengeance is mine, I repay it. I said, okay, yeah, this is good. Vengeance doesn't mean that God is going to kill all your enemies. I said, amen. Okay, that's cool. Vengeance means that God is going to take your enemies and give them a front row seat as he exalts you. Wait a minute, what? That's that's what vengeance is not a repair means? God's going to give your enemies a front row seat so they can watch God exalt you. I don't get it. (laughs) It's it's over and over. And I'm looking at the scripture and I say, listen, God has authority over all human affairs. We don't have to worry about what somebody else thinks or somebody else wants to see me fail or somebody's trying to manipulate life around me or, or somebody's trying to hold me back or somebody's saying this to my boss or to this work or to this person so they can be conniving and try to flip me and then I won't be able to be successful because somebody over here is whispering some stuff about me that's not true because blah, 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 blah. No, no. God has authority. Christ has authority over all things that go on. In Acts chapter 4, verse 27, uh, 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 Peter was talking to me. He said, for in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus Christ, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. Peter said that Herod was anointed by God to say, take him to Pilate so Pilate can kill him. Pilate was anointed by God to say, I don't find fault with this guy, but go whip him and then go kill him. The Bible says that the Israelites, the people of Israel were anointed by God to say, crucify him, crucify him. God put these evil people in place to do the evil things that they were going to do as God in his glory that he received, his qualities and his abilities were seen and were acknowledged by what happened. And in all that evil, God designed that. And then what John was saying here in 17, when Jesus said, you have given me authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. 
that glory cycle. Glory sphere. Father glorify the Son as the Son glorify the Father. In this, because you give me authority to give eternal life. That eternal life is to know the one and true God. And he said this, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent. What's so cool about that is eternal life is to know the Father and the Son. And to know the Father and the Son is to know about the qualities and the abilities that the Father and Son have. And to know that, you begin to understand that they deserve honor and respect because of the qualities and the abilities that you know of because you have eternal life. And when you have eternal life because of the glory that shows the qualities and abilities that you know as you learn, as you study, and you see they deserve honor and respect, the eternal life, what they cause you to do is to make the qualities and abilities and honor that deserve honor and respect to make them visibly obvious in your life so that others can look at your life because I am glorifying God. I am making it visibly obvious the qualities and abilities that the Father and the Son have. This is what eternal life is. That's why eternal life is wrapped up in the glory of God. John said in First uh, John's her life means to know and to know means to keep God's commandments, to abide, obey, to comply, and to guard them and protect them with all your heart. Eternal life is to know who God is, and to know who God is is to glorify God. And to glorify God is to put him on display. Make it visibly obvious and God, so that others may acknowledge. I like this because the visibly obvious is in me or in us. We have to make the qualities and abilities of God that deserve honor and respect visibly obvious in us. Because that's all they got. That's all the world got is us. They can't see God. They can't see Jesus. The Bible said they think God and Jesus and spiritual things are foolish. So what I have to do so they can have eternal life, I have to glorify God. To glorify God, I have to show them their qualities and abilities and show that they deserve honor and respect. And to do that, I have to show that through what I do, say, think, move. It has to be seen in me so that it can be acknowledged by others. And that's what to glorify God means. To glorify God means that I am putting on display his qualities, his abilities, and his attributes. I'm making it visibly and stupidly and ridiculously obvious by what I say. Glory, 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 glory. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is to is to come. That's how I talk at work. On repeat. Holy, holy, holy. So Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. That's what I think when I'm laying on my bed. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. That's how I interact when I get mad at somebody. Holy, holy, holy. The Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. When someone treats me wrong, my response to that is holy, holy, holy. Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. That's me being visibly obvious so that others will acknowledge the honor and respect that's due to the qualities and abilities of this glory sphere. 
of who God is. And we'll stop. Amen. I got some more. We're going to stop. But that's it. That's our responsibility. And so, the, real quick, our practical to this message. What do I do? What's my practical response to this? Make sure that it's busy, visibly obvious in everything I do. This week. This week, starting tomorrow, my entire everything is going to be holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. I'm going to put these on display in my life, in my talk, in my walk, in my thoughts, so that I will glorify God and so that others, all the others, will acknowledge the fact that he is. And I glorify God in what I do. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, again. Opportunity to come before you in prayer. We thank you for your glory, God. We thank you. We give you the glory, God. Give you honor and respect because of who you are, your attributes, your qualities deserve honor and respect, God. We've seen you heal. We've seen you move. We've seen you provide. We've seen you sustain. We've seen you keep. Even with Molly's testimony, God, maybe. All of our lives haven't been at the, at the doorstep of hell and you snatched us. But some of our lives, God, you sustained us and you kept us from a life of, of filth and a life of pain and a life of, of, of sin. You kept us from that, God. And that is also showing of your power and your authority. So we thank you, God, for who you are, God. Pray, God, that we as the followers of you will give you glory and honor in everything we do and continue to put you on this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.